Welcome to Tools, Talents, and Techniques. I'm your host, Dustin Sutton, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Sonia Rockville. She's the principal of Bedrock Real Estate Investors. She's an entrepreneur. She specializes in the acquisition and management of multifamily apartment buildings in strategic U.S. markets. She brings a wealth of experience to the table as an accounting and financial services professional, and she has a proven track record of designing and implementing very detailed financial models. So one of the main reasons that I think this is going to be so impactful of a conversation is that she's gone from being an accounting analyst to working for as a director of strategy for, for a major corporation to being an entrepreneur and, and having her own, her own investment shop. So really excited about this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. So I'm happy to, to welcome Sonia to the show. So Sonia, welcome. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you for having me on. This is great. So I just alluded to your experience with American Express or when you're starting out your career. Could you tell, tell our listeners a little bit about the beginning of your journey? Sure. Yes. Well, um, and, and thanks for reading my, my bio and, and talking about that. Commercial real estate is a second career for me. So I, I started out in accounting and um, I went through, I went to become an auditor. And I, after getting my CPA license, I realized I, I didn't want to be a partner at, uh, at a firm, at an audit firm. So that's when I left and I went to American Express, which was really a great company. I spent the majority of my career um, there as a, as a professional uh, there a fantastic ride. I met a lot of people and learned so much. But after a while, after, you know, through the, the promotions and the different groups that I've worked in, I started thinking about where I saw myself, you know, going in the company after, after a period of time. And it was getting harder after, you know, after each role to think about where was I going to go next? And not because there, there weren't roles, I just wasn't sure if that was the right role for me or the right path. And so I, you know, what I, what I started doing, I live in New York. Um, I, I started reading books about real estate because like real estate is everywhere. You know, I always say it's like real, everything is real estate um, because it's, it's where you live. It's where you work. It's, 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 you know, where you go to the library, it's everything. <laughs> so I started reading, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like a, probably a lot of other people. And I was just really inspired by the thought of com commercial real estate. And I, I, I started taking, you know, classes just to learn more about like buying properties because it wasn't something that I had really thought about doing or I even knew how I would fit that in with my career. But I, I was just fascinated by it. And I started joining, I joined, um, uh, my local real estate investment group, RIA, also to just surround myself with people who were doing real estate and, and talking about real estate. And then um, as, it, as it would happen, there were changes at the company and my entire group, including myself, we were all laid off. And it really, it gave me pause because on one hand, I was like, wow, I've spent my career here. I, you know, I really, I do like the company, but at the same time, I'd been thinking about what was I going to do next? And it was just really sort of like the right time to, to take a step back. 
And at that point, it was making a decision of thinking, okay, um, it, it, I could try to go to another division and, you know, try to figure something out or, or go to a competitor. But then because I had been thinking about real estate and, and just reading about it and trying to immerse myself, it seemed like that was the perfect time to, to try something else. And I was so fortunate. One of my um, coworkers, I had told him I was interested in real estate and he told me about Project REAP. And um, Project REAP is a program that focuses on diversity in commercial real estate. It was, you know, he was literally like, I think the, the applications are going to close soon. You, you really need to apply. I, I did. Uh, it was such a blessing. I got in. And, you know, two weeks after my last day at the company, I started Project REAP. And, and that, that was like setting me on a journey at that point, because it wasn't just real estate, it was commercial real estate. Was was there anybody in your life that was already in the real estate industry, residential or commercial, that gave you some kind of inkling of what's behind the curtain? Yeah, so I, my, my, my uncle has a brokerage, a, a, real, a residential real estate brokerage. And so I decided to also get my license too at the same time, but not knowing exactly how I would use it or, you know, how, how I wanted to utilize it. But I thought, you know, I'll get my, my real estate license. So, so I, I, I have that too here in New York. But when I was, when I was taking the REAP classes and then ultimately I, I, I joined a multifamily investing group, those were the things that really helped me like kind of focus on commercial residential real estate. And it really inspired me to really look at multifamily. When you were looking at, and you got interested in real estate and you're reading books, did you find that your experience in ta uh, you know finance and being an analyst and, and a manager in finance that it was um a little easier for you to to comprehend some of do you think your background helped out i, I really do dustin i think it did help out because um i think one one of the things when people start out looking at commercial real estate or even the thought of multiple units because a lot of times people start out with like a single family or a duplex or something and when they start thinking about, oh, 20 units or 50 units, 100 units, it seems, it seems daunting because it's like these big numbers. And in a way, yes, you, there's, there's caution there because they're big numbers. But at the same time, because I was coming from an organization where there, there's billions of, of you know, dollars changing, like you know, seeing big numbers didn't scare me. You know, that wasn't that wasn't the part that that made me intimidated. It was just that I, I didn't know about the about the industry or how things worked. And I didn't know how to underwrite, but I understood how to use the models and like what are some of the, you know, just just how a model is supposed to work and what am I supposed to get from it and where to question if things didn't make sense to me. So I was comfortable with some of those tools, but not at first with the process of, of, of underwriting itself. So you join project reap, you get accepted into the program. Was there anything that once you got involved in the program that you were thinking, Oh, this is way different than what I originally imagined. Was anything, there were there any uh, challenges or 
Anything yeah. that, that you didn't realize? One of the things about Project Reap is it, uh, it, it in in the past it brought in people from different parts of the commercial real estate industry. So it, it you know people who did property management, asset management, like brokerage, a whole different variety of people. But one of the people that came in, she was talking about private equity. And that was a new concept to me. And she was talking about the fact that, you know, they work with people, they buy properties and they invest in them. And then she, she came in with some case scenarios of different types of deals that they would look at. And, you know, it was just high level. It wasn't a lot of detail and we weren't doing any analysis per se, other than the information that was given. But, you know, immediately I was looking at the different types of deals. I love the multifamily deal. I love the potential projected returns and just the thought of that, you know, also, you know, growing up in an apartment building, I just know what apartment buildings are like. And it just, it just made sense to me and people need a place to live. So, so when she asked, you know, who would have been in the multi, you know, in the apartment buildings, I was definitely one of those people. Um, but it, it was, it, uh, that was one of the things I was like, this is really exciting that you can make these investments in, in these deals and, you know, why not own real estate if you can? So I think the, the fact that you got to see with this, with, uh, with project reap and being able to see the different avenues, I, I think that's something that's really important for, people that are trying to find their way and try to figure out what vertical is best for them. And there's so many opportunities in real estate and even specifically commercial real estate that until you are exposed to it, you don't even know what's what you don't know. So that's something that I think is so fantastic what, what Project Reap is doing. And um, so, yeah, thank you for, for sharing that as being a seminal moment for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because honestly, a lot of times when people think about real estate, their their anchor is, you know, the, the person that sells the house next door. And that's not wrong, because that is real estate. But like you said, there, there are many different avenues. There was I was speaking with uh, a, a friend of mine one day and trying to explain what I what I do or what commercial real estate truly is. And we were at a, a retail center. And we're sitting there having lunch and we're talking and I start to point out all the different vendors and parties that make an office building or a retail center go around. Then I point out the signage, the fire sprinklers, <laughs> the fire safety, the, the day porter, the, you know, the roofs, the HVAC, like everything. And I'm like, there, there are so many opportunities that just there that you can see that make it, that make it, the property operate efficient, efficiently, but then also like think somebody had to sell this, right? There's people that lease these spaces and put people in there. There are, um, you know, people that handle the tax, the insurance, and there's just so much. And then on top of that, in, in each one of those verticals, there are people that do the HR in those companies that do the accounts payables, accounts receivable for all those individual trades. So there's, there's so much opportunity in this end. Uh, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it right now because there's a lot of challenges in the marketplace and commercial real estate specifically. There are opportunities for people to make an impact and things are going to have to change. Things are changing every day and there's a real opportunity for people to make an impact. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. So one of the things that we, we spoke about before about the importance of, of asset management in the current current climate, um, is there something you want to you want to share there from your perspective? Yes. Yeah. So so, there you know, there are different phases of like when you 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 purchase a multifamily apartment building and, and a lot of people you spend a lot of time thinking about acquiring it. Right. Because because that is it does take a lot of time looking at deals, underwriting them or, or analyzing them once you have your market and everything like that. But but one of the important pieces is also the asset management. And that's that's the 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 part where you're you're partnering with your your property manager, the the group that's going to be managing the day-to-day function of your property. And you're you're working with them to help with executing the the strategy of your of your of your apartment unit complex. And one of the things that that I think about, because when I'm when I'm analyzing or underwriting a deal, I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of being an operator, the asset manager, the person that's going to be looking at the financials as they as I as I get them as the property is 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 performing. And so one of the things I would say is when you are 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 looking and analyzing a deals. To, to wear that hat as an operator um, because that's going to help you realize whether you are going to be able to achieve the numbers that, that you have put in your plan. And, and you know, with that, you, you, you need to layer in, you know, some conservatism and uh, being realistic of think, how things will actually play out because nothing – ever goes exactly the way you think it's going to go, there's going to be a hurdle or there's going to be a time when you're not going to be able to implement this, or you may have to change strategy, which we've had to do before on other properties. And so if you, if you do that, making sure you, you have some reserves, you have the flexibility and you've thought about, or you work with people who can help you think about um, how this will play out, you know, in real life, not just in the model. Um, that's really important when you're looking at deals now. And how do, how do you factor without giving away the secret sauce? How do you factor that type of risk in? Like, what what could go wrong? Because I mean, somebody might think of like, oh, there's a percentage here, a percentage there, but there's something that you look at as an operator holistically that you have a, a specific approach. Yeah, so I would say you know I'm looking at the two sections of your PL. You're looking at you know your revenue and, and, and you're looking at your expenses. And so the, the revenue, just understanding, understanding, understanding your rent roll, who's there, how are people paying, what's happening in the area um, with, with collections. I think that's really important because that's going to help you understand like what's really going to happen in terms of, of, of your revenue playing out. And then, and then also your operating expenses, um, making sure that you have like realistic numbers that you're taking into consideration what's happening in the macro markets right now, what's, what's, how expenses are going up significantly, and, and is your uh, underwriting capturing that? Those are the questions that, that I would say. And then uh, I would say the, the third piece of that is your, 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 your capital expenditure budget. For the for the um, updates or improvements that you're trying to do, 
do you have realistic numbers for that? And, and what's your plan and time frame for expending that, those funds? When you're, when you're doing this underwriting and you've, you've, uh, I want to be sorry. So you've had your own firm for over 10 years now, mm-hmm. right? So, well, first of all, congratulations. That's fantastic. And part of this show is about tools, talents, and techniques. Uh, obviously went over your, your talents. Are there any tools that you use in your day to day when you're, even if it's software, um, you know, any, any type of thing that you've done along the way that you found has made an impact on your business? Yeah. So first of all, I would say, um, you know, the tool that you use to do your underwriting, you find one that you, that you like, that you're comfortable with, and that makes sense for the the type of strategy that, that you're doing. Um, I do right now I'm doing syndications. So I, I have to have a tool that, that will factor that in. So I know what type of return I can project for my investors. If you're all, you know, just doing something that's a joint venture or you're, you're using your own funds to do your, to do your investing, then you don't, you don't need something that's like that, but you just have to find the one that, that works for you. And so I think that's really important that you're comfortable with it. Um, and that's, yeah. So I, I know, um, I know Argus is, is very popular. Is there, is there anything specifically along, along the way that you found more helpful than, than others? Yeah. So, um, so one of the, one of the tools that I, um, that, that I use is it's an Excel. It's, um, it's called, um, it's a syndicator. It's a syndicator tool. It's called synthesis. I, I, I like that Excel model. Again, there, there are different ones out there. You just have to find the one that's, that works for you. That's, that's the one that I use. Um, I'm also currently using, um, uh, uh, Red, Red IQ, because I, I really like how it's able to pull in information quickly to me. So I, I have it like integrated um, in the way I, I, I need it to from the, the model that I use. So, so that's a good tool for me as well. So is, is there anything else that you see as a, an overlap between, you know, your, your personal life and your professional life, like things that, that you're saying, oh, this is, um, this has helped me develop as a, as a person as well as professional. Cause I think that's at the heart of a lot of these things Like people that, that I, that I, in my experience, this is more than just work, right? Like this, to your point, when you start talking about where people live, where people, where, where people spend their time, where you're building communities, is there any overlap that you've, that you see in, in your personal and professional life? Yeah. Well, like I was mentioning, I, I grew up in an apartment building and, you know, I was, I was happy there with my parents and my family. You know, I had other family members that also lived in the, the building too. So I know that the place where you live can also be a community. And so I think it's important to think about that, to think about your residents. Um, you know, uh, there was uh, someone who said um, apartments don't pay rent, people do, right? So, so in, in any aspect of this, this, this is a people business. And I think it's important to think about the, the people who are living in your property um, when, when we're making decisions on, on updates, upgrades, or, or just things to, to try to bring a community together, if you can do that with, with, with the size property that you have. Yeah. And, and I love that. That's fantastic. 
I, I think that I think that's important. I think that's that's really important. Um, yeah, and that's that's just my personal my personal take on it. Well, in your experience, do you um, is there anybody or have you seen anybody do that exceptionally well? Like somebody who really makes their investments uh, like a true community and gets feedback. And I guess further from that, how did they do that? How do you get the feedback? How do they take all that into consideration? Yeah, I think I think some of the you know the larger groups. I it, it's it's hard to kind of name by name, but like some some of the 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 larger groups that that I've um, seen or heard of, you know, a, a lot of what they do is um, take into consideration how what res, like the resident experience. So sometimes they will use tools like um, who's your landlord. I think that's that's a tool that um uh, is used to to help uh, gauge interest and and also just promote not only promote but also get information from residents i think that's important to to do um i i you you know i i also think that i i've also see, heard and seen people do surveys and you know among their residents people that are coming in people that are leaving and on, and and i think overall I mean, you just ask why is why you know you know, oh, that's that's thank thank you for telling us that you're leaving. Why, you know, just tell us what your thoughts or feedback. Oh, we're buying a house. That's great. That's a great reason for somebody to move out of your apartment complex. And so then, you know, hopefully you'll be able to to bring in somebody else who will be able to you know have a stable lifestyle so that they also can move out and and buy a, a home if that's what they want to do. So you know, I I think I think it's a matter of you know. Um, uh, thinking about the, the, the like I said, the, the, the residents in, in your communities and, and, and how can you best serve them? Because it, because it helps everybody. It helps them and it helps, it helps your, your, your management team. And then it also helps your investors as well. One of the things that, that I heard from, from that is having an open line of communication. Yeah. And if you, if you have that, you can ask, you know, what's going on, why, you know, all those things. And in a way that that's you truly authentically that you care because you want to make sure that they're in a place. I think that's, I think that's hitting the nail on the head. And, um, and again, there, there's tools. Who's your landlord is, is, a, is a great one. Um, and I think there are like survey tools to find out. And, you know, this goes beyond even real estate. This goes into any any type of community or organization and having that open line of communication and actually being able to digest that information and and take tangible steps to actually make make an impact with with that data with that information absolutely dustin and 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 even in the circumstances where it's not comfortable we we, we you know we have a a great property manager who's who's really great at talking to residents and you know, when people are behind in rent, you know, just understanding what their situation is. Um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it, it turns out that the person lost their job, but they're, you know, they're working to pay them. And then you can come up with a plan to help them, you know, and so then, and you're not, you're, you're not going down another path that you didn't need to. Uh, it's just understanding that particular situation. Sometimes you have to go down the other path. But uh, other times, other times having that conversation and just seeing where that person's coming from, you may not have to. You know, one of and having right having people in the role that can have those open line is so is is crucial. And 
I refer back to uh, there was a time when I was I cut my teeth in in management on the management side of things, and one of my favorite experiences was just being a part of one of the communities that I that I manage. And this was this was commercial, it was an industrial park, and it was just so. The, the conversations that I had with the tenants were mostly about their favorite sports team, uh, you know, the weather, their favorite yoga studio, like those type of those type of conversations. But what that allowed for was that open line of communication that when something was happening, they could talk to me in a normal manner. You know, like they, they're calling their landlord, but it's like, hey, this guy's parked in my parking spot. It wasn't, you know, it, it, it softened the blow of anything, whether it's coming from them or coming from me, because we were looking at each other as humans. Yeah. And that just wanted to have a human experience and have a safe, comfortable place to do our to do our respective businesses. Dustin, I, I love that, you know, bringing, bringing humanity into, into the fold of your business. I mean, that, that's, that's what it is. Cause that's who you're serving other, other people. One of the things that I, that I've realized also in, you know, all, all the tools that we have in technology and the internet and being able to share, share all this information. It's funny. I say internet, like it just came out, but <laughs> there's so, there's so many things that are available that, that we're able to to connect and and share, but there's also things that are so uh, divisive, and um, I, I'm I'm always looking for new tools and new ways to connect with people because again, most most of the progress that I've seen in in you know real estate and even in, in the tech side of things, it's just it's connection. It's all about about giving giving uh, people an opportunity to connect and further their goals. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And in this climate, and that this, this is a segue into into my next question, is that these are these are challenging times, and has been for a while. It feels like you know the musical the musical chairs <laughs> have stopped, but there's still people humming, pretending like <laughs> that that the song's not over. Uh, but people are trying to figure out what's the best way to to handle things and to do things. Um, what, what's your take on the current climate? And I know you alluded to it a little bit before about proactive asset management. Uh, yeah. but I wanted to hear your take on, on, on how, how people should look at this. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it is important to think about when you're, especially when you're thinking about like purchasing a property, um, from the upfront, thinking about it as, uh, from the operator hat. But then when you when you also are operating your, your property, you do need to keep looking at your original assumptions. What's changed? Has anything in the environment changed in your in your, you know, where where your property is located? What's happening overall in the city, in the state, et cetera? And, and how does that have an impact on your on your own property? How can you use that information to think about how do you best serve people in your community? And, and then also, again, as you're looking at deals, continue to just, I, I, you know, it, when, you, when you underwrite or when you look at the more deals that you look at, the more you'll get to see like what's happening in the marketplace as well. As if you're, you know, again, just starting or, or starting to look through uh, ways to acquire properties seeing what's actually happening, what's transacting, you know, having that relationship with the brokers and property managers in the area that gives you 
input also as to what is actually happening on the ground and what are people working on on the ground. So I'm, I, I, I don't do the actual property management because um, I don't live in the same state where our properties are, but it's important for me to stay connected to the property management team to understand what's actually happening on the ground so that if we have to make any shifts or change something, we can do it in an, in an informed way and we can react as quickly as possible to what's happening. And how, how do you how do you do that? How, what's that communication cycle look like with the, the boots on the ground, if you will? So it's usually multiple touch points a week. Um, but we have at least we have at least um, like two meetings every week, I would say um to to go over you know usually it's like a focus on financials and then like a focus on uh, you know also on operations and and trying to to pull those two together but but it usually ends up being more than one meeting a week and so it it, it is a lot of dialogue and it, you know it's it's not uh it's not a hands-off business um it it it's 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 very active that you know to to be to be involved to be engaged and to work with people who also want to do the to do the best that they can also for the communities. So that's important too, finding people that you want to work with that have similar values to you um, so that, uh, so that it, it, cause there's already things are going to happen. It's going to be, you know, there's always challenges, but it's always good when you can, you can align back to your, that North star that's, you know, you know, this is, this is our, this is our underlying principle of, of what we're trying to do. And, and that's a guiding light to how to make decisions. Do you feel like when you're communicating with the the people in those in those markets that that are on your team, do you feel that those values are also shared with the vendors that you bring on in those markets? I do, I do, and you know where because we we usually ask, we usually go through a series of questions with them just just because, uh, especially if it's a, you're talking about like let's say a larger CapEx project. So we want to make sure that um, our community is safe, especially if it's an exterior project, like, you know, roof repair or, or, or you know, something like that, that, you know, we're, that our community knows when this is going to happen because it's going to be disruptive. It's going to be loud and there's going to be a lot of workers on the ground. So making sure that people know in advance you know, communicating with the company so that we, we could put up signs, cones or whatever, um, you know, depending on the, the project, ensuring that there's a good cleanup afterwards. And then also we're p- picking the materials. We, we know that we want something that's usually like low maintenance, high quality, you know, so, you know, how, how do we get that too? So that's also living the values because we want to have a product that we're spending money on that's going to look good and also serve a good function for for our our residents and for and for ultimately the next owner. Yeah, that's great. And making sure that you're investing in there's there's value and there's long term value. And I think one of the things that that can be challenging, I know, is you know if you're not in that market and you are bringing on a vendor to let's use the the roof and you know you never heard of this roofing company before but you know they said they worked with them before so they have all their insurance and you know their licensing and you're like okay but yeah you sure about that you know and so sometimes there's the national i've worked with some national vendors that were absolutely fantastic and they had their own oversight for the subcontractors that they used so there there is that balance that of like how much you you 
you know, you know, trust your team on the ground and say, okay, if you're going to use this vendor, let's make sure that they're all qualified and they, they fit all the parameters. But um, that, that's, that's great that you have that relationship with those people on the, on the yeah. ground. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I want to be mindful of, of your time and I want to make sure that if there, but there's, there's, there's one thing that I really would like to hear because, because in your journey, you know, you had, you had one career and then you just kind of started, I won't say started over, but you started a new career. If you were to talk to your younger self, you know, when you were starting, is there any other like tips or advice that you would, that you would give yourself? Yes. I, I, there are a, a, a couple of things. Um, I, I think I would say, you know, a lot, a lot of people talk about, you know, like being an entrepreneur and, you know, it's great, like being an and and it is great being an entrepreneur, but usually when you start out, you, you have a W2 What I would say, make your W2 work for you too. So like you're, you know, you're working in your, in your company thinking about, in addition to, I know a lot of times people are like, okay, I just, I kind of want to get out of here, or maybe I want to do something else. Find, find ways to, to leverage that W2 that you have to get the most out of it while you're there. So if it's like buying a home, because it's easier to do that when you have a W2 versus if you have your own business as an entrepreneur, you know, do it. If it's, if it's, you know, putting that extra money aside so that you'll be able to invest it so that you can, you know, buy those multiple homes, or if you know, that's also a good time if you want to buy anything under four four units and below. Having a W two is also helpful for that too. So if you want to, you know, leverage that to to do that strategy at that point, it's also a good time. It's also a good thing to to do that. And then, um, if I actually had to tie the scene, I would say anything in two thousand and fifteen, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, listen, Sonia, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations on, on all of your success. You know, we, we've spoken before and I'm always impressed with, with not only what you do, but how you carry yourself. And, um, you, you are truly a leader and a trailblazer. And that's why I'm so thankful to have you on the show and, and help amplify your, your presence. Oh, Dustin, thank you so much. And thank you for creating this platform. Um, th this is fantastic that you're doing this and kudos to you also for, for arranging this for everyone to come on. So thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much. And thank you for joining us. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques podcast. We hope you found the conversation insightful and engaging. And if you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your network. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode as we continue to bring you inspiring discussions with industry leaders and pioneers. Stay connected to the latest insights, trends, and strategies across various fields from business and entrepreneurship to technology and innovation. Your support is vital in helping us reach more listeners and expand our community. So don't forget to leave a review and share your feedback. We appreciate your input and are committed to delivering valuable content 
that empowers and inspires. To stay updated on future episodes, be sure to follow us on either LinkedIn or our website, suttonrea.com. You can also find us on most podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Thank you for being part of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques community. We look forward to bringing you more engaging conversations and valuable insights in the future. Until then, keep exploring, learning, and applying these tools, talents, and techniques to achieve your own success.